Well, Marty already mentioned that uh, this week she and I were at church camp. She was directing Cairo middle schoolers. Give it up for middle schoolers, everybody. Yeah. Yeah. I was directing junior camp, third through fifth graders. Give it up for third through fifth graders. I'm still kind of in that camp spirit. Um, and if we look a little tired, we are. Um, and I think I remember that the theme for camp this summer was Peace Works. And those of you who went to camp, we learned more than just the word that Marty mentioned just a minute ago. What were some of the other words that we learned this week? Just shout it out. Aloha. Aloha. Shalom. Shalom. There's some more. There's some more. Agape. Uh, uh, agape. I heard somebody in the back say agape. All right. And there was one more, which was peacemakers uh, were our four words. And uh, Marty and I kind of liked uh, those ideas so much. And Ubuntu, which is our word for today. Um, but we liked that idea so much, we thought we would bring camp to you for the next few weeks. And so we're going to uh, uh, kind of explore those themes together uh, through our sermons uh, and maybe teach some camp songs or something along the way. Uh, we started our week with the word aloha and ended with aloha because aloha means what? And goodbye, right? Uh, well, we're not going to do two sermons on aloha, so we're going to end with aloha, and that'll be fun. Uh, but today uh, we're doing ubuntu. Marty already taught us how to say it, so practice, say it with me. Ubuntu. Ubuntu. Now it's in your bulletin uh, how to spell it. And it's a word, but really it's a concept that comes to us from the Nuguni language in Africa. And it means, as Marty said, I am because you are. Say that with me. I am because you are. You are because of who we are together. It was popularized by the African Archbishop uh, Desmond Tutu, who wrote about it in his book, uh, No Future Without Forgiveness. Archbishop Tutu was in South Africa during apartheid and as the country was was healing from that. And he thought this concept of Ubuntu was one that needed to be redeemed, one that could bring humanity. He writes in his book that my humanity is caught up, is inextricably bound in your humanity. A person is a person through other people. A person with Ubuntu, Tutu says, is open and available to others, affirming of others does not feel threatened that others are able and good for she or he has a proper self-assurance that comes from knowing that he or she belongs in a greater whole. Ubuntu, it's what inspired that healing after South African apartheid. The Truth and Reconciliation Commission, you may remember, was formed out of that spirit and it successfully ended this spiral of retributive violence where those who were freed or who had been uh, victims were now in power. And what would they do? Would they use their power to get back at those who abused them or would they seek another way? The Truth and Reconciliation Commission sought another way. Victims began to look into the eyes of those who hurt them and they found healing. They looked into their eyes and they would say, be very honest, you hurt me. You committed a crime. What you did was wrong. I am a human being, not an animal, but you treated me like an animal. What you did was sin, and you are responsible for that because you are a human being, not an animal. But I am more human when I treat you, my abuser, as a fellow human. Continuing the cycle of violence, seeking revenge will only make me less human 
so I forgive you. And in that moment of Ubuntu, forgiveness was made. A new nation was born out of that tragedy. Ubuntu, I am because you are. You are because of who we are together. Now, on the front of your bulletins is another quote from Archbishop Tutu. He says, you cannot, you cannot be human all by yourself. And when you have this quality, Ubuntu, you are known for your generosity. We think of ourselves far too frequently as individuals separated from one another, whereas you are connected. And what you do affects the whole world. Now, today on the Christian calendar is what's called Trinity Sunday. It always falls this Sunday after Pentecost Sunday. We left the red up today to celebrate. It's a time where we pause and reflect on this doctrine of the Trinity, this theology of the Trinity. It's a day when we stop and we ask, what is the Trinity anyway? It's a day when preachers make up a lot of great stuff, uh, sound really smart as we pontificate on the Trinity, when really... It's kind of a mystery, so scratch your heads if you want, because I'm scratching too. Our tradition says, it's easier just to quote tradition, that, that Trinity means that God is one, existing in three persons, God the Creator, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. These three aspects of God, which Scripture doesn't quite name as Trinity in the pages, but aspects of God that we experience throughout the whole history of our faith tradition. These three parts, three expressions are not three gods, but one expressed in three ways. Does your head kind of hurt already? After spending time with these junior campers, I got to thinking that perhaps a better word for Trinity is Ubuntu. Ubuntu. Now, one day at camp dinner, we would uh, divide the kids up to sit with different people because if you don't, they just sit with the same people every time. And I would join random tables, and I just sat down at a seat that was open, this random assortment of third through fifth graders. And when I sat down, they were already in the midst of this deep theological conversation. I kid you not. Uh, Pastor Don from uh, Pleasantville was sitting there, but he didn't start it. This boy, third grader, asked the question, what was before God? I was not there for the question. I showed up as they were beginning to answer it. And somebody threw out answers, well, well, nothing was before God. And another person said, well, everyone has a parent, so something had to be before God. And then someone helpfully said, I don't know. That was my answer. And I still don't know. It got deep at that table. Of course, the same boy who asked that theological question then went on to say, Started talking about our text for this morning, Adam and Eve, and said, I really don't like Eve. It's really all her fault that we have sin in the world and that my parents will have to die. She's to blame for everything. And I about choked on my chicken nugget and tried to resist and said, no, we're all to blame. And that's the point of the story. Adam blames Eve because Adam's a wimp and can't take, uh, can't own up to his own sin. And the point of the story is humans share this blame and you can't point at each other for we are all humanity together. Well, I don't think he got the point. And that's maybe another sermon for another time back to the Trinity. But maybe this is all about the Trinity after all, because our very notion of who God is, whatever Trinity may be, that God is 
community, that God is always caught up in this notion of community, that God cannot exist alone. Whatever was before God, it was, if there was a before God, whatever it was, we know that God existed as long as we've ever known as this triune God, God in community, a God who eternally exists in community. Let us, the scripture said, let us make humankind in our image. The very first chapter in scripture, God is community. One of the first uh, Hebrew words for God was Elohim, and that im ending in Hebrew is plural. The earliest name for God was God's, was plural. Let us make humankind in our image. God created man, we are told, and said it is not good for man to be alone. And so God created woman. Always community. God created you and I in God's nature, we're told. And if God is communal in God's very essence, that is who we are created to be as well. If we are to be like God and be in God's image, the best way we can do it is through community. Ubuntu. The Trinity is Ubuntu. I am because you are. Our life, our essence is tied up in one another. Well, after I got home from camp, I was running some errands around town, grocery store, gas. Marty was taking a nap. (laughs) Middle schoolers are exhausting. While I was doing so, I was listening to public radio. It was the middle of the day, like 3, 4 o'clock, and so BBC World was on, and the story came on about this uh, research project that was done by a group of Americans who wanted to see what would happen if they went to London and made Londoners talk on the subway train because Londoners are stuffy. And they even said it on the interview. They interviewed some Londoners, and they said, well, it's not the London way to talk on the subway. And so these behavioral psychologists found people, got them on the train, and had them start striking up conversations with each other. And these brave souls talked to people. And guess what? Their study continued for some period of time, and they found that people who had conversations with others, that those, and those who engaged them in their conversations, actually had a better experience on the subway train. And they write in their study, our commuters estimated that only about 40% of their fellow train passengers would be willing to talk to them. So they, so they beforehand said, oh, only maybe less than half are going to speak. And yet every participant in the experiment who actually tried to talk to the stranger sitting next to them, that stranger was happy to chat with them. Simply reaching out to a fellow human being to say hello may be better received than people realize. Few start a conversation with a stranger, but most seem happy to talk if you reach out with good intentions. And then they say this, humans are inherently social animals who are made happier and healthier when connected to one another. Ubuntu. I came across another study as well, an article that I read on KCCI that's been open on on my phone for months, waiting for a good sermon. And so this is it. But the title was Regular Churchgoers Are Happier Than Non-Believers. That's what the study said. Not me, them. And they survey uh, data, the Pew uh, Research uh, uh, Organization surveyed data, analyzed adults from 35 countries, including our own. 
And the Pew researchers observed how people identified with religion, as well as how often they attended worship service during the month. Then they compared those findings together, those who are religious and go to church versus those who are unaffiliated with any religious group or who weren't actively involved in their respective congregations. And they write, we find, their words, not mine, we find that actively religious people in the U.S. are more likely to say they are happy, that they vote, that they are more engaged in community life, not just in church, but outside of church, than those, than those who don't attend worship service. That those who are part of a church are more likely to be a part of another non-religious organization in the community. But we don't need behavioral scientists to tell us what we already know, what we've known since the very beginning of humankind, that you and I, we need each other. We need community. We cannot exist without it. Ubuntu, your very identity as a human being is tied up in the identity of those around you. And it's impossible to be human alone. The more you are with others, the more you become yourself. The very act of sharing your life with others, the act of having friends and being a part of a church, having community, serving together with others, this may be the most godlike thing that you could ever do. For our God created us female and male. God created humankind to be in relationship, just as God is always in relationship with God and with us. We are different, yet we are one. I am because of who you are. You are because of who we are together. And may we, the body of Christ, grow more and more into this triune image of God. And may we see God's image in every face we meet. If you believe it, say Ubutu. Ubutu. Amen.